Hello. Hello, podcast listener. You random podcast listener, you. And also hello to John Locke, Craig Bate, and Goohead, you fantastic top-tier patrons. Uh, a few quick things about this episode. Uh, this uh, is, we're calling this a Patreon sampler. Patreon sampler. Meaning uh, there, this is just a portion of what you would get if you were a patron over at patreon.com slash longmayyouyoung. Um we interviewed Adam C.K. Volick, who works with Neil a lot. Um, he's an artist, uh, a visual artist. He, uh, he's a really, really cool guy, um, as you'll hear in the interview. Uh, you can find out more of his stuff at adamckvolick.com. But I also wanted to do this little preamble because uh, this is a Zoom interview, and like all Zoom interviews we have, there are weird audio issues because of spotty Wi-Fi or whatever. So there are, I do apologize for parts where the audio cuts out and then it speeds up like a Micro Machines commercial. Um, it's annoying, but I think uh, I, I was able to cut out the majority of them. The ones I left in, I felt like it was necessary. But anyway, this is a, a portion of our interview with Adam C.K. Volick. Enjoy. If you want to hear the rest, head over to patreon.com slash Young. Oh, and... Uh, one more thing, this podcast right now is sponsored by Tiesta T. Head over to tiestat.com uh, and you'll be able to find out uh, about all their products, all their teas. They got great flavors. Uh, they're on a mission to create loosely, loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Uh, they're a great company and we're happy to have them sponsor us. They got matchas, they got relaxers. Um, and if you use the promo code promo code YOUNG15, you'll uh, be able to get a 15% discount off over there. So head over there, grab some stuff, use our promo code. Oh, yeah, and uh, one last thing. If you are a patron, you were probably expecting your Back to the Future 2 episode. It is coming, as well as a show we're doing called Nails Does Nils. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. We're also going to hit more of the archives. We're going to cover some Ben Keith stuff. It's going to be great. Join the Patreon. I'm rambling now. Let's hit the intro. This is our Neil Young podcast where we mostly talk out of our ass while going through the works of Mr. Young. It's Mike Shue and the Condon Boys, Trans and Harvest and Illinois. We're gonna sit and listen to each one. What's up, Adam? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you, man? Good, good. We're just working out some kinks because I lost a two and a half hour episode a week ago. I, I listened to the the Americana Replacement episode the other day <laughs> and see what I was getting into, and that's always a bummer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how you doing, Adam? Good, Eric. All right. Um, yeah, I got everything good over here, Mike. Um, I'm, I'm good not, on this end. It says it's recording, too. I'm not super worried. I think it was just a fluke because it updated on my computer, so I'm not super worried. Okay. Um, and Russ should be popping in soon, unless he forgot, which is not unlike Russ. So, Or he thought we were doing it at 11.30 tonight, which will be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> do I call you Adam or just Adam C.K.? I mean, do well, I do I throw the CK in there also? Um, uh, you know, my, my mom calls me Adam. Uh, 
when I was working on Lenoy's, uh, I always signed my, uh, my initials to my name when I, you know, sign in stuff formally. And Neil asked on, after one of my emails with him, he's like, why the CK? I was like, it's my grandfather's initials, uh, Clayton and Kenneth. And, uh, and, you know, I appreciate a lot where I come from. So that's why I, um, I always sign that. And he's like, well, from now on, I'm going to call you CK. And so <laughs> everybody in the Neil world calls me CK. Um, and it's funny. I met my wife through working with him. Um, she was his road chef. And, uh, um, you know, when we started dating, she was calling me CK. And before she came to meet my parents, the first time I was like, Hey, can you just call me Adam? And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, so you, yeah, you can so call me whatever you want, but late for dinner. Okay. <laughs> Getting in good with Neil is not an easy job. And uh, what was Lenoy's the first time you worked with him? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time, working with Daniel Lanois for mm-hmm. a number of years at that point. Um, and uh, I had, Daniel was being managed by Elliot Roberts at the time. Okay. That uh, Lenoy's came to be. And I had made these uh, one take films for Daniel's project called Black Dub. Mm-hmm. Or basically, I circumnavigated the whole studio, and it was the same house um, that he lived in and worked in, you know, as is his MO. Um, and when Elliot showed those films to Neil, uh, Neil had always wanted to work with Daniel, and Daniel had always wanted to work with Neil, and now they had this common bridge. So Neil said, well, I want to make a record with Daniel, and uh, I want that Canadian kid who made those films to, to shoot it. <laughs> So at that time, I was just the Canadian kid. I guess that's CK. You know. <laughs> that's what the CK is, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that's how it came to be. So that was like, I think I got the call from Daniel around just before Christmas or something, December of that year uh, of 09. And then I went down in January to LA because uh, I'm from up in Canada and then uh, we started to do some testing, and I pulled out my handy dandy notebook today to just see, um, oh, wow. refresh my memory. And it looks like I flew down uh, in March of that year uh, of '010 to start testing about three weeks before Neil walked into the the studio for the first full moon. Wow, that's wild. Nice. That's so and cool. that that house is unbelievable yeah um and then the the whole audio setup he has with that whole pipe organ it was like a pipe organ setup right but like the pipes were in the walls in the basement well no that's his regular old pump organ there is a there is a pipe organ built into that house yeah whatever whoever built that back in the 30s uh was uh was serious (laughs) right and so there is to my knowledge, it's never, it wasn't functioning during my tenure, but yeah, the, the console for it's there and the bellows come up, there's big grates on the wall um, that I think we see maybe a little bit of in uh, someone's going to rescue you. Anyways, whenever we do the reverse, uh, you see where they, where the sound comes out of there, but we, we didn't use any of that. You know, that house, the way you filmed it, and the the way the whole 
Lenoy's film is presented, you know, there's a lot of, it's to me personally, there's a lot of like ghost imagery, you know, the way the, the effects are on the camera. There's sometimes there's that kind of fluttering thing and you see a bit of someone who may have been Daniel or Neil or someone else just kind of appearing and disappearing. <laughs> and so it has this like ghost-like quality to it. And it reminds me of the house. It, to me, that made it like the house in that movie, The Haunting, the original one from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could add the black and white to that. And is there, was that, was that something you guys were thinking of? Like maybe whoever built that, that system in the house for that organ and who, whoever owned that house before did, did like considering the spirit of the house or what was already in that house come into play when you guys were, were making Lenoise? Well, I mean, uh, Daniel, you know, the vibe of the place is omnipresent, uh, no matter where you go and it influences what you do. And that's been Dan's mode of operation and, uh, forever. And it's why he's, lived in that place for gee i don't know um he had it for at least five years before i started with him in 06 so he's been there a long time and uh and it influences everything that happens there the the acoustics all the wood the 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 concrete nature of it um and um i uh it's not something that we were consciously like hey we're gonna make this it's just how it it turned out. Um, we, of course, like Daniel, Mark Howard and I um, lived in the place the whole time we were making the record. And so we hear the creaks in the night and stuff like that. Maybe subconsciously it impacted us. Uh, but, you know, a part of there's like a serendipitous happens a lot with me where I do a lot of shit because I don't know why I just feel compelled to do it. And then we figure out why it's useful later. And so we were able to set up a recording setup in many different rooms within the house for testing purposes. And I time-lapsed the entire property, every room, you know, for 24 hour periods to to see when the light was going to be best because we just, we wanted, you know, we knew we were only going to get a take or two with the man and we wanted to be like, okay, well, now we need to go over to this room and we have like a, you know, a 40 minute window or a 20 minute window in here where it's just amazing um, because we didn't want there to be much artificial about it. Like at one point in one of my notes here today, I saw one man, one mic, one light was one of my notes. We just wanted to keep it incredibly simple. And uh, I think Neil made mention of this at some point, you know, like, uh, uh, I said solo, they said acoustic or something like that. We yeah, thought yeah. we, we were operating under the assumption that we we're making an acoustic record. And then um, on the second day uh, we cut an electric tune, the first version of the hitchhiker that didn't make the finish line we shot during the day. And uh, another after we're like, um, well, why don't we, do some more electric tunes. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say, so we should actually properly introduce who we're talking to. This is Andrew C.K. Volick. Uh, He worked, he filmed Lenoy's um, and a bunch of other projects for Neil as well, including Hometown. You worked on Paradox. You were there for Mountaintop, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, And uh, so when we were on the Lenoy's episode, 
I was saying, and I rewatched it again last night, it really makes you, it brings a whole new life to that album. Um, and Mike, I, I was going to bring up the house too, because it, there's a vibe to the, to the whole being able to see it as it, as it goes. It feels like, uh, like Neil was like fighting ghosts or something like that. And, and, uh, there was, it was loneliness, but he was fighting that loneliness. And then in the video, it starts with him talking about trying to find a song that's right on the edge of his mind. And he says, he feels like he might've missed it for 40 years. And then it goes right into, uh, a song that he plays twice on the, the, the movie, but mm -hmm. it's not on the album at all, which What's it called? You Never Call about L.A. Mm -hmm. Johnson. Mm -hmm. And holy shit is that like heart-wrenchingly good. He does the first – he does it acoustic and that's great. And then it goes right into the, the – to Walk With Me and it's fucking awesome. And then yeah. he does it halfway through again on that organ and it's just this heart-wrenching – man, that – the video just – I don't know. I'm rambling here, but I really appreciate that what you did for that album, especially for me, man. It was you did a fucking great job. Yeah, and you know, like not a lot of people saw it. They did this weird thing where they put it out on YouTube first, um, yeah. and uh, I, you know, like I've met a number of fans because I also uh, shoot with them when he's on the road, and so I get so to cool. interface with people in the in the front row and stuff. And you know, like there's. Neil Young fans are friendly folks. And so you get talk, you get chatting and they're like, Oh, who are you? Oh, Adam CK. Well, like, Oh, Oh, you made Lenoise. And I was like, yeah, but how, I have no idea. There's a film that goes along with Lenoise and, uh, you know, selfishly, I, I kind of feel like it completes the, the picture, you know, and especially the, the version of the film that you're referencing, like when we put it, when we put out the film initially, it was the same 38 minutes that the record is. And oh. just before, just before Elliot passed a couple of summers ago, um, Neil came to me and said, Hey, I want to do an extended version of this, put on anything, put anything in there that you think is good. Oh. So I went back and I looked at everything again. And uh, I was like, this, that little piece of documentary footage that I shot when I was scared as hell and like trying to hang <laughs> back the first day. Um, uh, I was like, well, that's so poignant. And then of course, in that period of time, nobody really spoke about it, but those couple of those songs on the record are about losing Larry and losing Briggs. And, and uh, it was him processing all of that. And Ben too, right? Didn't Ben pass away right around there? Mm -hmm. ben Keith? Yeah. 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 Wow. There's an immediacy and like uh, a bit of um, uh, nostalgia and maybe some anger that, uh, you know, yeah. all, the, all those stages of grieving, I think, are, are present in, um, in that record. And, you know, to listen to something, you can see it in your mind, but to see it performed exactly as it was performed. There's like another layer of resonance. Like I'm, you know, the hair on my arm is standing up right now because <laughs> I'm going back, you know? Oh, um, oh that's awesome. Well, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps too, man. This is great. <laughs> so, so you, you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot, it seemed like he was processing a lot because a lot had happened to him emotionally and stuff. And, and Daniel Lanois had said, um, that Neil came to him with a bunch of songs already. And Daniel said, no, I don't want any of this. Let's talk. Let's 
do some music about what you're going through right now. Mm-hmm. And did you, did you have, do you have like uh, any other observations on the, on the making of that? Like, was that something that Neil was receptive to at first or, or was he like, okay, fine. Cause it seems like on this record, he gives Daniel full production credit. It seems like he kind of stepped back and let other people kind of take the reins a little bit. Well, is, you know, it was a little bit like um, if you've ever seen uh, like a couple of grizzly bears meet in the wild. <laughs> Not that I've been present for it, but no, I imagine I. this must be a Canadian thing. But they kind of like, you know, they're seeing what each other's made of. And um, I don't want I can't really speak for either of them, but being present for it, I think there's a, a mutual respect in uh you're a giant. I'm a giant. If you feel like you're gonna, you have something to say. I'm gonna listen, and likewise. And it was a, it was a back and forth. I think that, um, you know, uh, like I said, he, he was missing Briggs, who um, is is referenced all of the time in all of the sessions that I've ever been around. And I wish I had a chance to, to meet the man because mm-hmm. he sounds like he was ever, ever, every much as bit entertaining and hard assed. And uh, it was probably like living on the edge, just being around the guy because mm-hmm. you never knew which guy you were going to get, but I'm only, it's, that's purely conjecture, you know? Um, but yeah, it definitely evolved from like, there was there was tunes that were um you know maybe on the touchier feelier side and daniel once we did hitchhiker was like i want to feel i want to feel that you mm. know from him and um so he went away and we didn't we didn't record walk with me until the second full moon um and uh, it was one of the first things we did when he came back in the studio. And of course, that guitar sound and the White Falcon in stereo and everything, it was just like, what else did we really need? They put the subharmonic synthesizer on the low end, and then they put some bass pedals on. And it sounds like your stare- your speakers are ripping apart or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love oh, that. Man. I fucking love hearing this. This is like getting me. Yeah. Oh, man. I love it. So... Adam, were you? I'm assuming you were a Neil fan before you worked with him, right? Oh yeah, I'm from Canada, so he's like everybody's <laughs> uncle. What's your What's your go to Neil? Um, man, I'm a I'm a sappy love song kind of guy. So like, um, I I danced with my wife uh, when we got home from our little wedding ceremony to Harvest Moon. Oh, nice. Um, uh. And I like a lot of the weird shit, uh, the shocking pinks uh, oh stuff. Oh boy. And yeah. uh, I did a bunch of work on the Link Vault project for a number of years. So we pulled some deep cuts, uh, like um, stuff that I don't even think had been released at the time. But there's like a, a version of You Got a Problem from the Solo Trans Tour that is one of my favorite things in the really? whole wide world. Okay. Um. So, I you know, it's hard to say. Like, I have a, a Neil kind of mood uh, playlist that is about <laughs> 40 hours long. <laughs> and I'll just put it on. I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't know. You're but, probably uh, not. <laughs> yeah. He's got enough. Yeah. But like, worlds collide and, uh, 
stuff okay. from the Chrome Dreams. You know, like I, I love it all, really. Um, yeah, the the weird symphonic stuff, some of the new things. Uh, I really, you know, because they I hear them so much, they're like earworms that right. just I'll be singing songs to my daughter and be changing words to uh, new Neo <laughs> material. Oh yeah, congratulations! You you uh, just had a baby. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very Congrats. exciting. It's uh, eight weeks. Uh, should be two months in a couple of days on Monday. Yeah. That's Are you awesome. getting any sleep? Yeah, you know, it's getting a little better. Um, it depends on the night, though. You know, we'll have like a couple of great days and be like feeling it. And then um, and then all of a sudden it'll just go to hell. It's like <laughs> she'll have a nap too late in the day or something. It's alchemy. We're not we're not sure how it works out, but she's the boss for sure. Right, yeah. right. Well, Luke's got five kids, yeah. so wow. I can't even imagine. I just have I have a daughter. She's seventeen now, so all she does is sleep when I want her to be awake. Yeah, uh, and she never slept when I wanted her to sleep when she was little. But you know, Luke's a superhero. He's done uh, this five times. How, yeah. how what age range, Luke? Uh sixteen down to four. Sixteen, wow. fourteen, twelve, eight, and four. And it is <sighs> every day is a nightmare. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I, it's but it's a beautiful nightmare. I love it yeah. and I uh hate it at the same time. I, I enjoy it while they're young, especially a girl. The I don't Mike, I don't know about you, but the teenage girl is just hard to it's just really hard. It's hard to navigate. I don't well, know. I have a well, teenager from a previous marriage who's now oh, okay. 12. Oh, okay. And she, uh, dream child in all respects, but the attitude is starting to happen. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. Just to like a simple question, you get this yeah. snide. Uh, I'm like, what did I do? Are you going right? like, yeah, to shift me don't. or something? <laughs> it's, it's a mystery, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. I always say, I always that's her mother's. She gets her attitude problem from her mother. Which That's is what I always say. Definitely not true for you, Mike. <laughs> um, so you you've worked on, um, you know, it was Lenoise at first, and then you've kind of stayed with Neil. You've earned his trust. There's not. I don't think there's a lot of people. I mean, I can think of the names of the people we mentioned that have passed on, but then there's people like Larry Craig. You know, people he stuck with for mm-hmm. a while, and and. What has Neil ever told you? It's because you worked with Jonathan Demi too, right? On on those films and mm-hmm. and and with Daryl Hannah and Paradox and and has Neil ever said, you know, uh, you know, I like you, I want you to come back because, well, ever- um, during the making of Lenoise, he said something to me. He's like, uh, you know, GK, you're you're a great DP. Um, uh, you're like a you're like a spirit in the room you feel that you're there but you know that uh you're not there to fuck with you <laughs> <laughs> and it, that kind of sums it up i think is like um i'm a sensitive guy and when i when i'm really there when i'm really present i'm i'm not serving anything else other than the moment you know, I can kind of have that out of body, you know, I'm not like a paparazzi guy who's like, Oh, I'm going to sell this for $15,000. You know, (laughs) no, I'm like, I want to feel every vibration here and honor it It, because I know it's fleeting. It'll never be the same again. And uh, I just want to make sure that there's a, a proper record of that. And it's what scored me my role with Daniel Lanois prior to, 
and ongoingly, like I still, still work with Daniel, although uh, not as, not as much. Um, and with Neil, you know, like I think that he was going to be dragging me along, uh, but late in the process, I think we had just finished shooting the uh, I'm going to rescue you and stuff. Like we had a session after Daniel crashed his motorcycle in the middle of making the noise um, that we recorded the last couple of tunes uh, at. And then there was like, Neil was already touring um, this and other stuff. And there was a rehearsal in Oakland at the Fox theater. So I was leaving with them to go and shoot the rehearsal because we didn't know if we'd need uh, any other B-roll or live versions of things or whatever. And uh, as we're walking down the driveway, Elliot turned around and looked back up at, at uh, Daniel and said, see you later. You're never going to see him again. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and Neil was, or Elliot was always joking, um, you know, as much of a badass like, as he was, he always had this fantastic sense of humor. And I think he was partly joking, but partly kind of knew uh, that I was going to be along for the ride for, for some time. And, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time with them uh, in, in private situations. And I, I, I feel like Neil's besides being a hero, he's also like sort of like a, a fatherly figure to me. Um, I've gone to him at times when I just need like real advice about stuff and he gives it to you straight as you can imagine he would. And so, you know, there's a lot, a lot of love, uh, in the air. And I think, you know, friend, friendship and all of that stuff. Um, so I can't remember what the question was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, why, why do you think Niels has, has, uh, entrusted you? I've I've you know, never that, been that more. Was, that was the original question. I've never <laughs> been more jealous of a human in my life than hearing Adam talk about Neil. The way evangelicals talk about praying to God. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a follow up to that. Um, so Neil has, you know, his, his his thing is once I walk in the studio, the tape should be rolling mm-hmm. constantly. Did he say something like that to you as far as like uh, the filming part went? Is like just keep rolling it. Well, um, I somehow that I knew that in advance of him showing up for Lenoise, but that was kind of always my MO to begin with anyways, because, you know, it's other people, um, other people miss important moments because they aren't rolling because the real important moments happen before and after cuts. Usually, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, uh, inciting for statement or whatever so i was just like tape is cheap at the time it was it was digital recording so you know hard drive space is cheap just roll on it you got to have shit to get shit and um so if you if you didn't didn't cut it even if even if it's off camera and all you can hear is you do is hear it and it's a shot of some cables or something just superimpose something else use an exterior shot whatever you know it's like but you can't make that up. You can't be like, hey, can you just um, say that again? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah, we know. That'll be natural. Yeah. We know. Yeah. We, oh, we yeah. Did you, did you hear that, Luke? Did yes. you hear what he just said there? Shut Always, up. you know. <laughs> um, Adam, honest to God, I could listen to you talk about art all day long. It's actually like 
inspiring me a little bit. Um, how did you get into like art as a visual medium into like videography and stuff like that? Well, I was a, I was a kid and uh, I think it started as like I was a baby in my crib. I, uh, I, I have early visual memories of like the sun set on a t- like this Mickey Mouse towel that hung in my window as a, as an infant, but you know, and then my mom worked shift work as a nurse. So it'd be going to my grandmother's house early in the morning, sitting in the back seat of their Monte Carlo. And I noticed that headlights on from oncoming cars, you know, in, in the winter mornings, if I squinted, I could change the shape of like the star pattern that formed. Um, oh, and, wow. uh, and, and then when I was about six, uh, I was at a yard sale and I, I found this little camera that took flash cubes and held it up to my face and you know i gave the lady a quarter for it and then it took disc film which you had to get at the local uh, like i lived in a small town so you got everything from economy fair which was like a glorified kind of dollar store before dollaramas uh invaded america <laughs> and uh and and then when i got to high school it was like there was actually classes in it. So a, a friend of mine who was older invited me into the dark room one day and I saw a print come up in developer. And I was like, this is magic. I'm, you know, frustrated by my inability to draw, but I can take pictures. So I just like everything in my life, I deep dove and I like learned the zone system and then went to college, but was bored there. So I, I, I kind of knew everything they were teaching me. So I started working in studios and, uh, and that led me to meeting uh, at post-college. I was working for a uh, portrait photographer in Hamilton, Ontario, because he had all this cool digital equipment but didn't know how to use it. So I fixed a lot of his mistakes. And then I'd photograph in the music scene, uh, like I had friends who were in bands and stuff. And um, so I was making pictures. And then I met uh, Daniel's brother, Bob. Um, okay. Who is a, was it like a kind of a the bigger tech nerd in their partnership than anything he built their first studio from scratch uh like he was an electronics wizard but he was also a great photographer and kind of psychedelic artist so he saw the crazy weird shit i was making and we became instant friends and then um and then their older brother ron passed away of leukemia and they had a wake for him where uh, all the family came in from Quebec and because uh, they're French Canadian. And I was hired to of the wake, just people having a good time in the backyard, dining, singing songs, all that kind of stuff. And that was around the time Daniel was putting out Belladonna. Okay. Um, and he had had some press photos taken that he didn't like so much but he saw this book that Bob's uh, partner put together of the photographs I took and thought, well, this guy's got an eye and he's got a sense of the sense of the moment. Come and shoot some photos for me. So like I went to his loft in Toronto and we hung out for, it was supposed to be like an hour and we ended up spending the day together and drinking whiskey and smoking hash and talking about philosophy and stage show design and all that stuff. So couple of weeks go by i send down the results of uh of the photographs that we took 
And uh, another couple of weeks roll by because he's a busy guy. He's always got to have an assistant show him stuff or whatever. So his assistant finally showed him the work we did together. And he called me up. Hey, Adam, it's Dan. Um, yeah, I really love what you did. Uh, remember we talked about a stage? Well, I've got this album premiere in a month in New York. Uh, do you want to come to L.A. and, uh, and oh, work man. on something for me? And at the time, I had like... It's the shitty studio I was working at in Hamilton. The guy was bouncing my paychecks. So I went to install security systems with a friend of mine in like warehouses. I'd been doing it for like a couple of weeks. And uh, I was like, well, do you want me to come to LA for a month and work with stuff I've never used before? Yeah, it'll be fun. (laughs) So uh, I quit my job. Uh, A couple of days later, I was on a plane to L.A. I got there. He was finishing up a Dashboard Confessionals record. Okay, um, I'm listening. With that guy. Um, So they were down in the basement working on that stuff. And I was shown to this room upstairs full of video equipment I'd never seen before. And I was just like knee-deep in manuals trying to figure (laughs) figure it out. He had a bunch of stuff that he had done. And and, uh, so... I became a filmmaker by accident. <laughs> I, I, I had the aesthetic skills, but not the technical ones. So a uh, couple of years later, I documented him making a record with like Garth Hudson and Tony Garnier and Brian Blade and stuff oh, wow. called Here's What Is that we subsequently made a documentary for that was at the Toronto Film Festival. And uh, it's embarrassing for me to watch today because I had no idea. I was at the helm of this technical like putting a, a film together for tiff and it's wrought with technical problems but it's got a ton of vibe in it and i you know i learned i'm i'm then you know i've gotten a handle on uh, all the things i didn't know about and now I've, i think i can call myself a filmmaker even <laughs> though i'm you know came at it from a complete outsider's uh way of doing it that's the long answer to that question. We well, call. I was going to ask, you know, who who's the like the director you look to, or what, you know, who's the filmmaker, you know, that you look to that the inspiration. But I guess you just kind of like you just said, <laughs> you weren't even looking to get into making films, you know. But now that you've you've got this experience, I mean, is you know who who do you look to to, you know, as as a director, whose work do you look at? Well, um, you know, my, my personal artwork, I then like to investigate the nature of time and our experience of that, because I feel like it's like this blanket that we all kind of pull over, but it's not really there. It's like, (coughs) we're experiencing it like at the edge of a wavefront. So the, the stuff like that Christopher Nolan does, um, I, I really admire uh, what he's been doing from the very beginning. Adam, um, I want to get high with you so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I brought it. I was like testing my microphone and stuff. And my computer, when I fired up Zoom, was like, you're slow on space. <laughs> to avoid interruptions on your Zoom call, make some space. So I, I brought down my little piece of hash and stuff here. I was going to get high if I had a minute. But... <laughs> I'm talking too much and coughing now. There's always but, a minute to get high on long That's right. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, to finish answering that question, um, 
Michel Gondry. I really love his work. Um, recently, I really enjoyed his series that he he executive produced and um, and was also um, uh, directed a few of the episodes called Kidding with Jim Carrey. Do you guys know know this? Series? Oh, no, I've, I've never it. watched that. I've seen like the trailer for it. Yeah, yeah, it looks it's good. Incredible incredible uh the, check it out the premise and the execution is just very imaginative and um and super entertaining uh i can't say enough good things about that so he he he's the guy that did uh eternal sunshine right yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay yeah and of course uh, you know having worked with with demi um who i was a fan of before i knew him um but getting to work with him uh he was such a such a fantastic leader um he just embraced the talent the talented people that he had worked with him and i've met a number of other fantastic operators and dps and uh even his assistants were were magical but he he was like you know just do what you do i i love what you do just just feel free to chase the muse and do that and that's awesome so i've employed in in the little bit of directing that i've done i try and do the same thing where it's like and trust people that you know nothing pisses a creative person off more than being micromanaged mm. you know it's like i'm going to tell you how to think and how to feel and you're just going to have to do that or i'm going to be really angry with you and that's <laughs> nonsense you know yeah. um we all have you know, things to bring to the table and a team, um, the team, it, it, it's bigger than the sum of its parts. And I learned, uh, the first feature that I, uh, that I DP'd about after the first week of shooting, we had a, a party cause we were, you know, living and working in this location house, the whole crew and everything. But we had a party after about a week and everybody got loose, you know, a few drinks, a barbecue, all that stuff. And we started to hear stories about, oh, you've done this, you're a steady cam on that. What do you think about? It? And I think before any production now, you should have a party uh, because people really get to know one another and you get to know people's strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, and then going forward, it's like there's this camaraderie that comes from knowing someone like a friend that you don't want to let them down um, mm. and they don't want to let you down. I, I, I grew up playing hockey. So, you know, there's a bit of that. Uh, whoa, whoa, sentimentality. Whoa, 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 A Canadian who grew up playing hockey. Yeah. Are you serious? It's all, like, it's like a <laughs> religion. <I don't> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Serious. Who's, your, who's your team? You know, funny enough, I don't really, I can't watch it on TV. Oh, okay. Uh, and I've never really been a, a fan of anybody in particular. Now, my grandfather is probably rolling over in his grave because he was like such a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan that he'd fall asleep watching a game. And if he tried to change the channel, he'd wake up and <laughs> freak out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, it's not a, it's, I, I have such a visceral uh, memory of playing the game that seeing it in two dimensions on a little screen. Right. 
I'll watch right. I'll watch the Stanley Cup final or whatever, but uh, you know, I'd rather go and watch a game in person, the local junior team or something if I have time for that, but that's few and far between these days. <laughs> I've never I've never played hockey, believe it or not. How about just ice skated on ice skates? I've ice skated on skates twice, and I fell so many times that I thought I, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> yeah, hurt my ass. Yeah, there's a there's a callus that you have to build up yeah. first, <laughs> right? <laughs> like playing an instrument, you know. <laughs> Mike, you must have ice skated. You grew up near Pittsburgh, right? No, I grew up here in Massachusetts, Luke. Oh, I thought you were. How long we've we been working together for crime? I was born in Pittsburgh. Oh, same thing. What part oh of my what, gosh? <laughs> what part of Massachusetts are you guys in? Like central well, Luke, Yeah, Luke's in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, which is north central Mass, and uh, I live in Worcester, which is like right in the middle of the state. Oh shit! I'm, I'm there a couple of times a year. Um, my uh, my in laws up in Medway. Oh okay, oh. yeah. And now they live in Douglas. So oh yeah, Douglas. That's like. 15 minutes down the road yeah yeah we go we go to worcester for dinner Uh, there's a pub there um like an irish pub it's got a huge bar and some vegan things on the menu for my wife and um you know is it o'connor's i think it is yeah o'connor's that place is legendary yeah Yeah. they got a good whiskey flight there yeah Yeah. they get everything's good there that's run it's run by a a hardcore irish pub guy he doesn't take any crap you know kind of (laughs) like Sets down the law, make sure he runs a tight ship. That's cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah so I'll be down there in a couple of weeks for American Thanksgiving. Um, oh, hit us uh, up, man. Come in for an episode. Watch Back to the Future 2 with us. <laughs> yeah, see, that's like their favorite film. Just to give you the Luke's <laughs> film background here, Back to the Future that's 2 is like the pinnacle of filmmaking for Luke. Well, those not films one, are great. Two. See? I don't know, man. I haven't um, seen two, so they're going to make me sit down and watch Back to the Future 2. I no. love Back to the Future 1. Huey uh, Lewis is a guilty pleasure. Of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, first of all, they're not the pinnacle of filmmaking for me. I, like, I do appreciate Christopher Nolan actually quite a bit. And I'll even say this, Dark Knight, one of my favorite movies of all time, and Interstellar, I cry every time I watch it. I think that's one yeah. of the best movies ever made. So, um, And uh, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. I don't know who Mike. I I mean, I don't want to say you're. I love Scorsese. I love all the ones that everyone says. I don't have like a cool like underground guy that. You're a Tarantino guy. I love Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. he's a, yeah. There's so many greats. It's like <coughs> it's hard to uh, it's it's hard. That's a hard question to answer. Like I just said the, the two most recent ones I've been thinking yeah. of, but Tarantino's up there. Like I I can't wait. There's the idea of another Kill Bill. Oh my coming. god. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm very excited about yes, that. Same. Uh, who knows if it's going to happen? Well, you should. Uh, I mean, if you got some some downtime, and you, or even if you're like, "Hey, I'm at this bar," me and Michael come out. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll come out. We'll have a little whiskey. I'll bring yeah. some hash. Sure. Yes. <laughs> um, one quick thing I did want to touch on. Um, I love your website. It's great, um, and uh, I love the way it's set up. You, you, you like. You were talking earlier about time and space. Those are literally options to click on on your website, which I think is 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 pretty cool. It's adamckvolick.com if you want to check out uh, all his stuff. But uh, you've obviously not only worked with Neil, you've worked with a bunch of other people, including um, Emmylou Harris. I think I saw Justin Timberlake on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a Demi production. I was uh, the onstage camera operator for nice. uh, his Netflix special. 
Oh, sweet. The Tennessee one, right? Yeah, JT and the Tennessee kids. Nice. That's cool. Um, and then I also saw you did a bunch of stuff with the Great Lakes swimmers who are incredible. So Yeah, he's my neighbor. He lives around the corner. Oh, for real? Me. And uh Yeah, we're we're uh we're good buds. We've been working he's he's without a label right now. So for the last well, just before the pandemic hit, we started um on a project and then through the pandemic we've kept it going and um he's a great friend and a great spirit and you know like uh tony's tony's uh tony's cool and it's like it was a chance meeting too he lived around the corner from me for some time and i did this show of my local like blurry uh photographs that i do and to promote it I handmade postcards for every mailbox at the, at the <laughs> post office down here. And he got it. And a, like half of them came back because people are like, no junk mail. And I was like, this isn't junk mail. <laughs> 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 Everything, every one of these took me 10 minutes to make, but um, oh, that's awesome. he, he got it and was like, wow, this guy really cares about this. So he came to the open house where I had, I had all the photographs up and he brought me a mix CD um and it, it was great lake swimmers greatest misses <laughs> oh wow oh that's awesome it's like joni mitchell that's great <laughs> so and we've been we've been friends ever since i've done a bunch of record covers for him and a few videos and and uh and we have this longer form documentary thing we that's starting to turn into something um oh, that's i'm awesome. sit, sitting in on a mixing session with him and the engineer is a good friend of mine too Oh, that rules! Yeah, that out the album. I can't remember the name. It's like on on GE something. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it's the one with your rocky spine. Yeah, I fucking love that album, man. It's good stuff. Oh yeah, nice. Well, I'll let him know that uh, he's got some fans in Massachusetts. Perfect. Yeah, that's really the whole reason we wanted to do this was so you can <laughs> let the guy from the Great Lake Swimmers know that uh. Uh, the guy from the podcast is a fan. So yeah, we have a whole other Great Lake Swimmers podcast <laughs> called "Long May You Swim." And, uh, <laughs> um, we are our next album we're running into is "Psychedelic Pill," and there are some songs that made your film, made Lenoise the film, uh, so that ended up on "Psychedelic Pill" and not on the album Lenoise, which I think is pretty interesting. Like "Born in Ontario," I think it was mm-hmm. "Twisted Road." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was another one. I just can't remember. Um, but that's kind of cool that, that, that psychedelic pill is easy. I, I've been listening to it all this week and a little mm-hmm. bit of last week. And it, I, it's become kind of top five Neil albums for me. Wow. So it's interesting that he's had these songs even back. And I know it wasn't well before psychedelic pill, but it was many years before that became an album. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like that. Well, you know, his whole thing is that like things just keep rolling around and coming back and and with all the new archive releases um that have come out of uh you know Florida and uh mm. um what was the one? There's so many. Uh but you know, those things are rolling around in his head all the time and and uh I think it was Daniel that was like I don't really feel like these songs belong with this other work emotionally. Mm. Um, but Neil wanted them included in the recut of the film that we put out um, in well, whatever it was, 2019 or 2020. Uh, but he, so he recorded them with the horse and, you know, they took on the, 
the horse vibe. But yeah, Ramada Inn is uh, one of my all-time favorite tracks. Like I shot, it's the first time I toured with him was uh, in support of the Psychedelic Pill. Oh, really? Um, uh, The the Alchem... They were all running around on the stage at the beginning to that Beatles song with, you know, the whole crew was dressed like well, mad scientists. You cut out for us. You cut out for a second, Adam. What was it? The, the what? The Al- alchemy tune. Alchemy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2012. Um, and uh, I was going through some shit at that time. Personally, um, when my, my first marriage was uh, sort of busting up in the course of being out on the road. So, you know, um, he opened pretty much every show with uh, love and only love followed by Ramada Inn. Oh, wow. And it was just, it was just such an emotional ride every night and probably kept me alive just being out there having to keep up with the horse every night. Um, and oh, man. feeling that like everybody kind of levitated a little bit after you know, around 10 minutes long or something on that tour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw that tour also. I, I mean, that was, that was the wildest I've seen Neil. It was like, he was like a, a 17 year old kid, like a, a little 17 year old punk kid. He was like rolling around on the stage, you know, and, and it was almost, this is at the Boston garden that year. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And uh, it it was just a wild show. I loved how, like there was trash all over the stage and like he had fans that would blow the trash. And like, I remember seeing like a, one of the crew just dumping trash in front of the fan. So it would just blow across the stage. <laughs> and then he had like one of, you know, the, the, one of the wooden Indians there, which had its own light and it, like its own spot or something. It just stayed on the Indian the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just all these little things, you oh, know, it I wasn't like an them. orchestrated you know, light show or whatever, but it was all these little details that were all around the stage. And, and, um, yeah, that was a wild, wild show. Yeah. It was a lot of, a lot of fun to shoot. One of my favorite things was, uh, during walk like a giant, he'd, uh, he'd come over to the giant amplifier that was over top of his amplifier and he'd stick his hand in to mess with the knobs on the Excalibur. And I'd, run around with the camera and go in the back of that giant amplifier and I'd be pushed up against the screen <laughs> looking through uh, his eye like going crazy and then I'd pull back to his hand and the strobe lights were going and I was it was just so much fun every night. Oh that's awesome. Oh that's so uh, cool. You know Neil Neil's uh you know he's he's uh made a few films obviously you know he's you got human highway you got uh rust never sleeps and then uh, journey through the past and stuff so he he's got a better understanding than i think most musical artists i guess as far as filmmaking goes and so has he like from the time you worked with him from lenoise until now has he ever you know, kind of approached you and said, maybe you should do it this way or, or has he let you hang back and kind of just do your own thing? Well, um, it's on occasion, there's been like something he specifically wants me to do. Um, and yeah, we have a brief conversation and then I go and do it five different ways so that he's got choices. And, uh, and then, 
you know, uh, but mostly, mostly I'm, I'm free to fly on my own. Now I, I joke around with friends that I'm, um, I'm the shaky pictures film school dropout. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, so I've learned a lot from that aesthetic, uh, which is like, uh, kind of anti-production, um, where you do as much with one camera as you can and you use, you use organic movements to initiate cuts and, you know, mask time jumps and things like that, because it's, it's sleight of hand sort of, it's like, Oh, shiny thing over here. And then meanwhile, you're changing the scene um, mm. in the, in the midst of that moment. So yeah, I, I love it. I love the authenticity that you get from uh, not being overly produced. And I try and employ that as, as often as possible. Um, so you talk about like, you know, um, I guess self-limiting when it comes to production. And so with Paradox, it was just like a, an iPhone. Was it just an iPhone that you guys were using to film? No, no, it's the same camera that I use for uh, a lot of the documentary stuff that I do. Oh, okay. um, so, but it was just one camera. Um, and uh, uh, well, the time lapse stuff was all a uh, Canon 5D Mark II, I think. But um, yeah, that was just one camera, and it was a short script. Um, but we were having so much fun; it ended up being at like a almost feature length movie. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it's just fascinating how I don't know the 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 whole you you have the similar you know attitude that Neil has of just like capturing the moment. Content I think is king, yeah, for sure. Yeah, ex- yeah, and I think that's that's amazing how and you had that attitude before you met up with him. You know, I think this it, it it's just fascinating to me that you kind of ended up with him organically, you know, working with him like that with the same kind of attitude. Yeah, it is. I, I could have never planned any of this. Like when I was a, when I was a kid growing up, I thought I was going to be a national geographic photographer or something. If it was like, if I was to live out my dream, mm. um, that's what it would have been. And at a, you know, it's just one situation led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And, um, I've never had to carry a business card or any of that stuff. It's just, I stumble into the next thing I meant to do after I finish, you know, after I finish something, I have this anxious period where like, am I ever going to do anything ever again? And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, phone rings. Mm. Hey, here's what we're doing. And uh, I've been just so blessed to lead this serendipitous life. I'm, uh, I don't know. Uh, like Mr. Bean or something. <laughs> right. Kind of like a Canadian filmmaker, Forrest Gump. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah just run, like, Forrest. Fl- run, CK. Yeah, like, yeah run, run. Run, Adam. I do love how you made like such a kind of a beautiful explanation of, you know, how your your life and, and your art work together and then followed up with Mr. Bean and then Mike followed that up with Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I feel like those those are the people Neil kind of gravitates towards. Uh, we've discussed on the podcast that he's no longer a time-traveling vampire. He is an Egyptian god. So he draws these people towards himself, which is why I assume I'll be in his inner circle soon 
as well. I mean, it's only a matter of time because I'm as cool and as relaxed as our guest, Adam C.K. Volick. So I think that was the point of this podcast in this episode. Well, the cool, relaxed thing is kind of a veneer underneath a very insecure. And <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all, though? But I mask it. I, ma- I managed to, like, stuff it down. But I'm, I'm seeing a therapist about that. So I don't know, because there could be this new angry me that emerges <laughs> at some point in time. Nice. I've, I've had <laughs> – I have this uh, idea for an alter ego that I might – I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but I, I want to do, like, a dystopian – anti-apocalyptic thought rap record <laughs> okay where you never you know it's like uh who's that guy with where's the big giant uh like mickey mouse head uh and nobody knows who he is uh, oh dead mouse dead yeah mouse. yeah be kind of like that except um you know i want to like steal old country riffs and slow them down so that like find a high res recording and then slow them way down so that they sound like industrial, really deep and just segments of of old like you know, forties and fifties country yeah. country music was good, and then and then to not you know like uh, the whole uh, rhythm track would be samples of like industrial pipe clanging and shit like that build up these crazy tracks and then. Uh, my friend Dana Nielsen, who is the engineer on Mountaintop, um, I might lean on him to so I, I don't sound like I do because I hate the sound of my voice and <laughs> come up with some crazy vocal sounds and some weird headdress to wear. I don't know. I have some ideas about what way, but uh, yeah, I just got, you know, this pandemic has made everybody a little crazy and I just some of the uh madness i've been internalizing i feel like needs to have an outlet right that sounds awesome i actually really want you to do that right i I was just thinking you should talk to daniel about that yeah that's like seems like it's right in his wheelhouse yeah yeah you know well you know after his the record he made with venetian snares it's not that far apart from what i was uh what i'm thinking about for the sound of it it's kind of cacophonous and whatnot but like finding the time and the funding to do something like that uh with a newborn maybe i'm crazy but i've been known to be overly overly optimistic it might be one of my best characteristics but um (laughs) i I really really want you to do this now i I may need interesting well i may need to start a patreon or something do it We'll yeah we'll pl- we'll plug the shit out of it and then oh, I yeah. mean also if you're looking for uh, you know any collaborators I'm, I'll I'll throw my name in the hat here I I used to rap when I was 15 so that's I know right. a little bit about that he was nice. an evangelical rapper yeah that's you know, right he was on a mission <laughs> <laughs> what was your did you what did you have a name did yeah you have I did a... I don't want to tell you though oh come on it was behold yeah behold. <laughs> That's smart, yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah, right. That'd and be, I was in a, awesome. I, my crew was called uh, Humanity Parade. Oh, oh did, did it cut out? <laughs> did it cut out? Ooh, that's a little bit. So, but I heard. I heard so Humanity emo. Parade. Damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were. We were really. We were something. But you know what? <laughs> Everyone was fifteen. We we did our thing, and I got no regrets. And now here I am. So. <laughs> In a garage in Fitchburg. Yeah, Mike, you right. didn't do anything embarrassing when you were a teenager, did you? Not at all. I was on the straight and narrow. I got straight A's. <laughs> went to school every day. Okay. Uh, worked my part-time job at I'm the sure. ice cream 
at the ice cream store. Yeah, whatever. Also, I don't know why people are making fun of you for mullets. Mullets are coming back. Did you know this? What you talking? You talking to me? Yeah. Didn't you have a mullet when you were a I teenager? Had a, I had a magnificent mullet. You it know, was, that's the thing now. I know, which is crazy. That and fanny packs. Yeah. And I was just like, and wearing socks with sandals. And I'm like, everything that I made fun of when I was a kid is like all of a sudden cool now. I don't, I don't know. It's, I almost it's got one. If I, I had hair, I would definitely have a mullet right now, though. Yeah. You yeah, brought a sick mullet. Yeah. So, um, well, now that we're talking about mullets, I think that that may bring this to, to an end. <laughs> <laughs> now that we veered into mullet territory yeah. <laughs> with Adam C.K. Volick here. And uh, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, hey, well, this, is, this has been entertaining. I'll, I'll be tuning in. I, I'm doing some long walks with the baby in the stroller these days. Mm, oh, boy. So uh, I get to get, catch up on my podcast listing usually. Like, are you guys hip to cocaine and rhinestones? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So good. Right. I'm about like a third of the way through the second season now and, and just like Owen Bradley yeah. blowing it's, my brain. That Spade out. Cooley episode haunts me. Oh my, that's day. so, so screwed up. So messed up. And it's so like, not the, you know, I have, I had this image, you know, of that era of country music and these were scripture reading you know, wholesome folks that were out in the road and said, thank y'all very much every time they ended a song and everything. And that, you know, this whole, uh, you know, podcast just blew my brains open about all the crap that went down. That's great. You know, it was, it's unbelievable. And he does Tyler, uh, Tyler, um, what's his middle name? I don't remember. Tyler Coe. Mayhan Coe. Mayhan Coe, yeah. I mean, does such an amazing job at it too, but. If you're looking for another podcast too, since we do usually plug several other podcasts on this podcast, <laughs> but there's a, there's a podcast called Dead Eyes. Have either of you guys heard of this? No. no. It's, uh, it's, it's my favorite podcast out there right now, but it's this guy. He was an improv guy in the early 2000s, and he got cast in Band of Brothers. It was like a huge deal. It was a small role, but he like got through all the callbacks. And then right the day before shooting, he gets called in because uh, they're like, oh, Tom Hanks saw your whatever it's called. And it's like he wants he, – he, he thinks you have dead eyes. So he wants to like re-rehearse your – or like you, you have to re-rehearse for this. And so he re-rehearsed and Tom Hanks was literally in the room and, and he like, oh, thank you very much. And then five minutes later, they're like, oh, we're going to go with someone else. Oh. And so – all these years later it's like haunted him and so he finally made a podcast about it and it's so it's in season three now it's fucking awesome it's so good it's by uh i forget his name it's, i'm gonna i'm not gonna try to pronounce it I'm gonna it's fuck three it seasons of being fired from a set dude but he talks to like <laughs> everyone like a lot he talks to everyone he talks to seth rogan he talks to like uh everyone from band of brothers ron livingston he just hasn't talked to tom hanks yet and it's just that's it's like great. us with Neil, right? Yeah. I I on I yeah. I, I kind of don't want to talk to Neil at this point. I I I would be too scared. <laughs> just kidding, Neil. He's, he's just a he's just a guy, you know. Like yeah. he's a guy who's written uh, what fifty records and made all those movies <laughs> and toured around and all all that. But he at at the end of the day, he's he's just a guy too. So you yeah. Know, um, yeah. yeah yeah we'll get yeah we got we'll get i got there. starstruck when i met Sinead o'connor though really 
Yeah, I met her at backstage at Massey Hall in Toronto after uh, she was touring that reggae record that she, the first reggae record she made. Oh, yeah. It was kind of yeah. like spirituals. Okay. And uh, I had great seats because, you know, Daniel was a friend of her manager and all that stuff. So I was right up front. And there was moments in the show where she'd come off the microphone and her voice would just fill the house. Oh, man. And but I went backstage after it. I like my way through that meeting, and then it was like I sat down, and put my head in my hands. That's really the only time I've ever been starstruck. Oh, yeah. uh, I I I feel like I already got into it on some episode, but that happened to me with a member of that band Dawes that I love. I just made a fool of myself in a hotel lobby, just an absolute fool of myself and i don't i don't even care at this point <laughs> have, have you run into anybody from crosby's like david crosby have you run into him at all in your travels with neil or or, or graham nash or Stephen no, stills no uh, no never never uh up close and in person okay yeah we're always we're always <laughs> we're we we've been i think a little hard on both crosby and stills more stills i feel like stills takes an unfair brunt yeah of our humor, but we're, all, we're just having fun. We're, I would still, stills is a fuck is amazing. He's an incredible. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. An amazing musician. He's yeah. Great songwriter, great voice. Just yeah. the stories you read about him are just, you know, just crazy. Yeah. But well, well yeah, we right. really appreciate this, Adam. Thank you so much, man. Hey, that was, that was a fun way to spend a little time uh, on a Friday. So yeah. And, and if, uh, you wanna, for- if you want to check out any more of uh, Adam's artwork, you can find it all over at adamckvolick.com. We'll post links for this uh, on this episode. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks, man. Hey, <laughs> might you guys know uh, my buddy, uh, Tim Walsh. Um, he, he's, lives in boston he was he's a pretty great musician and producer himself but uh he played a lot with dave bazan back in the day what no i now i want to talk to him i'm looking him up right now he was tw walsh is his handle but he was um what tw walsh lives in boston right now yeah i saw him live when pedro the lion was touring control uh i fucking love tw walsh well, he was my guest at that um uh that mad or the what's the what's the arena in boston that uh Again, the, it, the, the crazy garden? horse show yeah the boston garden yeah he was my guest at the gardens that night of the of that alchemy show wow i don't know him but uh i don't know him personally but i know of him i actually really like his music and i love uh I've been actually trying to talk to David Bazan selfishly now that we have a decent following. I'm trying to get him to come on and talk about Neil just so I can ask him about his records. Oh yeah. So <laughs> he's a, he's kind he came, we kind of became a, we became Twitter buddies a little bit after I put out here's what is cause he's a, he's a Lanois fan. And uh, um, yeah, it was kind of like he ordered a copy of the movie and I was like, wow, it's very cool. You'd like this. Um, and we've exchanged a few messages over the years, but yeah. Oh, that um, rules. I'll send him a note and see if he knows about you guys. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll email back and forth, but I'll send, we'll send you some merch. I'll send you some town meeting merch too, like a vinyl and we'll send you t-shirts and stuff like uh, that too. So. Cool. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, this is, it's been a lot of fun. I, I wish you guys all the best, uh, in, uh, you know, 
chasing down these Neil records one after another. They keep coming. So. It's, I know, it, right? We're, it's, it's great. Never gonna, it seems like it's never going to end. I hope. I, I hope it doesn't end. I'm having so much fun doing this, and it's uh, it, it's it was really great to talk to you too. I, I really, really, really like. I, I when I said that at the beginning, your film made me appreciate Lenoise in a way that I never had before. So, well, when you see, like during um, Peaceful Valley Boulevard and Love and War and stuff, you know the way he works around the microphone uh, in. You know, I've encountered people who are like, oh, Neil Young, he can't sing. Like, yeah, no, he's a master. He's so good. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, when people say that, they just, I don't know. They, it's, they're not, they're not digging deep enough. No. Yeah. I don't think they're not, they're not getting the, the soul that's coming out of there. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably like Hanson fans or something, but. How dare you? Hanson rules. Yeah, Hanson's all all right, man. (laughs) My wife will not be, thankfully she doesn't listen to this, but she loves Hanson and hates Neil's voice, so. Uh, Well, my wife uh, was also a huge Hanson fan. You know, like, it's something that's catchy and well-produced. You know, I I can't say, oh, that's garbage. It's, It's official, Adam. When you come to Worcester... Hit us up. I'll me and my wife will come down. They can talk about Hanson and we can talk about Neil. It's fucking perfect. It's official. Yeah, if you got some time, man. Yeah, for real. Know. Yeah. I'll look you guys up. Yeah, awesome. it'll be fun. Okay. Cool, man. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot. You awesome. too. Awesome. You too. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.